Hello. Whoa. Hello. And I kick it to all the people who can quest like a tribe does. Before this, did you really know what I was? Comprehend to the track for the To the Relatively Speaking podcast. We are recording on Friday morning. It is April 21st. I'm your co host, Jared Mintz, and joining me on this lovely day is Joseph Nardone. Joe, how you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. No complaints. Was taking my kids to the bus stop this morning, and on a side road, they were doing construction there. But they had none of the signs up, so there was like a 12 car backup because everybody was trying to back up because it was a one way road, and everybody had to go in reverse. It was a disaster. Thanks a lot, local construction. I can't tell if that sounds like it was bad or if it sounds like it was the notorious B.I.G. hypnotized video when you say everybody was driving in reverse. I no, mean, no, it was just I wasn't being that creative. It's just bad. <laughs> It sounds bad. I can't imagine you'd be talking about it if it was cool. Um, great story, though. Good and way I spilled coffee all over myself. In the car or at home? In in the car. Because, like, I just took the coffee mug with me, not, like, one of the actually, like, a little coffee mug with no top. You're one of those guys. Well, this morning I was because I was lazy. And when I was going in reverse, the person behind me going in reverse was going, like, a 0.01 miles per hour. So, like, I had to slam on my brakes at one point, and the coffee shot all over me. What a jerk. Did you curse? Did you yell at a curse? Skeet, skeet, skeet. Uh, no, I didn't curse because my girls were in the car. It wasn't even, by that point, the coffee wasn't that hot. It was just well, that's more. That's well, girls are in the car trying to find out if you're a really terrible parent like, you know, we all think you are. No, no. <laughs> man, I mean, I'm a really man. terrible parent for other reasons, but not for yelling obscenities in the car. That's good. You bring the coffee in the car and you don't you don't yell about it when you spill it on yourself. You're You're a real adult, Joe. Proud of you. Thank you. Good stuff. You know who else is a real adult? Who's that? LeBron James. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny the way you say his name, but that was pretty funny. I mean, that's the the kid. The, that's like, I miss Vine so bad. Vine was like the best thing to ever happen to the internet, and it's gone. R.I.P. Vine. The LeBron James kid who just says LeBron James. Anyway, so we got some stuff to talk about today. A couple serious things, but we're going to start the show off with LeBron, who is still the master of the NBA and proved it last night. Uh, I didn't I didn't get to catch the beginning of Game 3 with the Cavs and the Pacers, which obviously is in Indiana last night, but I get home and uh, I'm in my bathroom doing what I do in my bathroom on Twitter, and everybody's freaking out saying the Cavs really want to make LeBron play as many games as he possibly can this offseason, or these playoffs. Uh, the Cavs stink. They're never going to be able to defend. I mean, in all fairness, the Pacers scored 74 points in the first half last night in that game, and I think they were up like 25 or something at the half. But it was all downhill from there for Indiana, as LeBron realized, I'm the best player in the NBA, and I'm going to play as so. The Cavs somehow win this game, and they hold the Pacers to 40 points in the second half. A couple more interesting stats from that second half. Indiana shoots 25.5% from the field in the second half, while the Cavs shot 553 Cavs also shot 57.1% from three. I'm not going to say they flipped the switch last night, but LeBron certainly did. He goes for, this is just ridiculous. He goes for 28.6 rebounds, seven assists, and zero turnovers. In the second half alone, LeBron did that. On the night, he had 41, 13, and 12. Joe, what did you think of LeBron's performance last night? Are they going to sweep the Pacers? Um, his performance was absurd. He also, in the second half, when he was the primary defender, his the guy he was guarding was 0 for 4 field goal attempts. Also, obviously, if they're... Whoa, Joe with the heat. Yeah. Also, obviously, if he's only if the guy he's guarding is only taking four field goal attempts, either he was doing a ter- terrific job of de- uh, denying the ball, or they made his life a lot easier, um, which probably helped him on the offensive end. When he's making six of twelve from three, there's really no stopping him, right? Like he's he always picks really smart shots to take. That's why his field goal percentage is always so high. He always knows he plays within himself, right? Like so, like his triple double, a forty point triple double, is more impressive than Russell Westbrook's fifty point triple double, mostly because it's an efficient triple double, right? And because he kind of plays within himself, he realized, all right, here's where the situation, the game's going. I'm going to be able to do this if I have to move a little further away from the basket. I'm making three pointers, so I could do that as well. Like that three he hit with around two minutes to go, um, that little like he just made a pivot towards the basket, brought his foot back, and hit the three. That was. Pretty much, like, I know the game was still relatively close, but that was pretty much, like, the nail on the coffin there. Um, he's, it's weird to say, because, like, he's the, probably the best, well, he is the best player in the NBA and the best player of his generation. He is somehow underrated. 
How do you have anything else to take away from this other than he's still underrated because we're not talking about him every night and we should be still. And you know, it's like, I, for me, like, it's always weird with LeBron. Like, I like watching him play, but like, he was never my favorite player in the NBA to watch. I always found, like, other guys more appealing to watch just style of play wise. And last night wasn't that. Last night was, like, him being legitimately fun. I watched, I liked watching him in the pick and roll situations with Deron Williams. I was telling you before the show, it was weird because. Uh, Indiana was hedging off LeBron to like double Williams, and uh, Williams was just he played real like Williams played really well last night. I know his numbers aren't like these huge guys accounting stats, but he was plus seventeen. Um, he I know the box score says he only had two assists. I feel like he had far more than that. Uh, For what it's worth, his plus seventeen was the highest plus minus of the game. Yeah, and I mean that that's that's you know and LeBron was like LeBron. LeBron was what plus twenty seven in the second half or something. Sounds about right. I actually have the second half box score up, so I can confirm that. He was plus 30 in the second half. Plus 30, yeah. I knew it was something absurd because they came down from a 25-point deficit. Um, and then we also talked before the show about how uh, Kyrie and, and Kevin Love didn't play the fourth quarter at all. You didn't really take notice of it. I did um, because they played with the lineup like Channing Fry, Williams, uh, J.R. Smith, and Kyle Korver, and that uh, lineup in the regular season only played nine minutes together. They played nine minutes in the fourth quarter together on uh, Thursday night, and they... They put they put away Indiana. It was absurd. Um, do I think they'll sweep them? I wouldn't be shocked if they took the next game off, like purposely, just so LeBron could chill. LeBron played forty five minutes last night. Yeah, I mean, it kind of seemed like they were gonna take this game off the way the first half worked out, and then you know, I don't want to keep saying then the the switch flipped or whatever. The fire was lit under. Well, they still didn't play necessarily good defense. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like they became a better defensive team. It's just LeBron went bonkers. Well, I mean, here's the thing. The Pacers shot 25% from the field in the second half. Yeah, so but they also turned the ball over a lot, and they made a lot of dumb plays, and Paul yeah, George started to take an iffy shots. Usually these things get credited to defense, but I, I, I digress. I mean, the, the Cavs just played an incredible second half, whether it was just LeBron throwing them on their on his back and going nuts. I, I don't know how you want to chalk it up, but it was it was really something to watch. And, I mean, Joe, you pointed it out. Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving didn't play a minute in the fourth quarter. They played the majority of the third uh but, I mean, the fact that this team is able to, to do this with, you know, Kyle Corvers and other guys who, I mean, Kyle Corvers is a good player. He had a lot of value around the trade deadline, or I know they got him a bit before. But we're talking about guys that, you know, other teams just didn't really want before they got to Cleveland. And you put four shooters around LeBron, and it's as deadly as a, of a combination as you're going to get in the NBA, at least offensively. And LeBron reminded everybody of that last night. On top of just being out of this world, it was a historic night for him as well. LeBron moves into third all-time in playoff scoring as well as fourth all-time in playoff threes made, past Kobe Bryant for both of those marks. And, I mean, it's only a matter of time, I think, until he claims, you know, top in everything in the playoffs. Like you said, he's really, you know, the best player of his generation, and he keeps he keeps pushing the conversation for being the greatest of all time. I don't know if you saw Josh Eberle had a poll this week. Uh, who's the GOAT? Is it LeBron or is it Michael Jordan? I voted. I voted Michael Jordan still. But, I mean, LeBron just comes out in the playoffs every single year and makes you want to have that conversation, makes you want to question it. It doesn't matter. You could be, you know, an old crotchety guy who doesn't think anybody could ever live up to Jordan. LeBron's really putting himself in that conversation. Yeah, I think what it's going to come up is the NBA, the way it works, is everybody wants to do the rings thing. And uh, if they were to win this year, then I think the conversation gets more attention than it does. Like, it gets tons of attention on Twitter but maybe not on, like, the national mainstream media. Liberal lefties or whatever. They, what's, what's, what's the news saying now? Whatever, alt-left, um, whatever alt, that means. alt-left a thing? I have yeah, I saw it yesterday on Twitter. I was, I was off yesterday. I caroused Twitter real quick, and I saw somebody say, what does alt-left even mean? So that must be a thing now. But whatever. Um, That's bad. LeBron James is awesome. Like, I, like I, you can't get hyperbolic when you talk about him because he's really special. Yeah, he really is. I mean, lost in this again is Paul George carrying his team another night. Finishes the night with 36 points, 15 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, I I mean, I'm starting to feel a little bit bad for him. He didn't really do much in the second half, so, you know, I can't feel that bad. But he's not getting anything from his teammates. It's been well, a real Well, it's not like Indiana's supposed to be good either. Do you know what I mean? Like, this whole no help from his team is, yeah, because Indiana's not that good. 100%. I couldn't agree more with you. Just where, where's Monte Ellis? You know, what what is this guy even doing? What what has he become? Jeff Teague is getting exploited so bad on defense. Every single possession out there, it seems. Pacers got to go away, and uh, I think Paul George isn't too far from leaving them either. I concur. I wouldn't be shocked around the draft if people start making serious moves for him. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't be either. Uh, again, though, you know, the story is just another signature game from LeBron, and I wasn't expecting it. I thought they were going to, you know, turn over and die last night and just let that be the game that they choke away. But again, this is a team, or not necessarily this is a team. LeBron hasn't lost a first-round playoff game in since I think the 2011-12 season. He won 20, he's won 20 straight, you know, obviously him and his teams. Uh, the last game they lost, funny enough, was to the Knicks, who had Baron Davis and Landry Field starting in the backcourt in that game. So, uh, yeah, they may never lose another first-round game with LeBron James active. It sounds about right. All right, Joe, let's let's move on. Let's stay with the NBA, but let's let's move on a little bit. We'll get back to the playoffs a little bit later, but for now, there isn't really much to talk about except for your, your imploding Toronto Raptors, but I don't think we need to talk about that today. Instead, I wanted to talk a little bit about an NBA player who's not in the playoffs but is going through something pretty serious in his life, and that's Carmelo Anthony, who... After we recorded the show on Monday, it came out that him and his his wife of I don't know the last at least decade, Lala Anthony Lala Vasquez Anthony I'm not sure what her name is since being married, uh, Melo and Lala separating and it reportedly is coming because Carmelo cheated on her and got somebody pregnant. I don't necessarily have commentary for this, but I do think it's kind of weird the way the internet reacted to it. Uh, did you see any of this on Monday or even over the last couple of days, Joe? Yes. It, doesn't it make you feel a little bit uncomfortable? Yeah, I, I tweeted out when the like when the divorce came out before the dancer pregnant thing came out. I'm just like that. I don't. I guess I can see why some people find it interesting, but I feel like it's really voyeuristic. And um, I know the world's changing, but like when Michael Jordan got divorced, we didn't cover it like this. And I'm not great with the idea. Like I know the New York Post made, like, the comment that, you know, the Knicks, Lala wanted Carmelo Anthony, like, the Knicks wanted Carmelo Anthony or whatever, and I don't like the idea of judging a person or a situation without being in those people's shoes. Like, this is two people getting divorced, which shouldn't be celebrated, um, and they have a kid, and whatever happened behind the scenes, all the information that's coming out is going to come from one camp or the other, meaning it's going to be slanted. And uh, I don't I don't love being a part of it. It's just weird, too, how other parties wind up getting involved through, you know, Internet humor. And that's the part that kind of makes me feel the most uncomfortable. Like, yeah, this is going on with with the Anthony's. But I'm hearing a lot about Dwayne Wade because they're friends and because Dwayne Wade did something similar in his relationship. And you're seeing memes with LeBron James sitting next to his wife. And I swear I haven't hung out with Carmelo since the 2004 Olympics or something like that. I mean, it's just. It's a weird way to get jokes off and listen, you know, I'm not trying to be that guy. I understand that this is what Twitter does and what the internet does and, you know, we make jokes. I mean, there was another subject that was more serious that got more jokes on Twitter over the week as well that we'll get to next, actually. But it's just, it, it just feels so weird to me the way, I don't know, the way cheating is approached also and the way, you know, we feel, we feel a need to, to make jokes about that and to make memes, you know, the Carmelo Anthony, I think it was the Met Gala a couple of years ago, and there's a picture of him, you know, in a tuxedo looking at Rihanna. He's in the background looking at Rihanna, and there's, you know, post, this was the night that Melo decided to risk it all. I mean, for one, it's just weird, too, because these are athletes, these are, you know, NBA players. We know that they have, you know, lifestyles and the nightlife that we can't quite comprehend, but it's been, you know, spoken about to, to great lengths, so it's just... It feels weird to see speculation on it, and I don't want to add more speculation that I don't know, and I can't pretend to know more than you know than anybody else knows. It's just it's such a weird thing for everybody to want to chime in on. I feel like yeah, and then there's the whole like moral compass thing they do, and I mean I forget though who's saying it is, but they say like your level of monogamy is really dictated by your options. Like if you're rich and good looking and famous, you're less likely to be monogamous than somebody that's ugly and poor. And already has somebody. You know what I mean? Because you don't have that temptation or whatever. So it's easy for ugly poor dude who already has somebody to say, yeah, you're only supposed to be with one person. It's not like tens are going up to that dude being like, hey, let's go get at it. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm not going to bash Carmelo. I'm not saying what he did was great. But there's also reports that the issues they were having were well before him cheating. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying, like, he should have just not got divorced or whatever. I'm just, yeah, man, life is a difficult thing to navigate, and I'm not really going to tell somebody else how they're supposed to live it, and I'm not really going to judge somebody else for making a mistake. 
For sure. And I, I don't want to be the fun police on this. You know, I'm sure that there are other podcasts who are covering this and, you know, laying out lists of other possible women that Mello has slept with. I, I don't really care to do something along those lines. It just it feels weird to me to make this, you know, like a, a fun topic or a topic to joke about. I mean, well, it's fun because it's, it's somebody else and it's famous. And people feel entitled to do it. Just not, I mean, I, I, just because they're famous doesn't mean they're not a person. Like, imagine it being done to you. Right. Yeah, and even, I mean, even with Lala, like if you don't feel bad for Carmelo, fine. I don't think Lala loves it. Do you know what I mean? So, right. And we, we saw a picture like the day after the news came out of, you know, Lala emerging from her home and the paparazzi was surrounding her and she didn't look too happy. I mean, you don't know anything. You don't know why that happened. I just it feels like such a weird and dirty thing to speculate so much about and to make so many jokes about. I mean, this is a family that's breaking up and. You know, for what it's worth, we were just talking about Carmelo on Monday and how his professional situation isn't great. So he, he's going through something tough, and we can never empathize with anybody. And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, feel bad feel bad for Carmelo for what he's going through. Obviously, he, he hurt his wife, you know, emotionally, and they were having problems. But we don't know the whole story at all, and it just it feels weird to, to joke about it. And that, that's all I have to say about it. No, I'm with you. I'm, going, I'm kind of glad we touched on that. And I'm not saying to people that are doing it that you're doing it wrong. I'm just saying, like, hey, like, you know, it's just weird that you're doing it. I think I think I, it's weird. Do you know what I mean? And which kind of segues to our next thing, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, not to tie these two things together, but it's just weird seeing human elements attached to sports, especially when it's, you know, some of the crazier things that happen in life. And obviously our next topic is, is Aaron Hernandez, who was found dead in his jail cell on Wednesday morning. It was news that, you know, the majority of America woke up to and didn't know how to react to, or at least I didn't really know how to react to. But I saw a lot of people, you know, I saw a lot of people laughing. I saw a lot of people saying, good, you deserve this, which I don't necessarily know that I disagree with. But the report is that, you know, he committed suicide, that he hung himself in his jail cell. I don't want to speculate much on that, even though, I mean, even it feels weird. You never know what goes on in jail. But it also felt weird that some people were sympathizing and other people were telling them, no, this isn't a sad story. This is a terrible person who deserved to die. It's good that they're dead. It's good that they're not on the planet anymore. And to that, I just I can't necessarily agree. I mean, I'm not sitting here spilling tears over Aaron Hernandez. You know, I can't say he's a good guy. Even, you know, hearing stories about him and his daughter, you can't look at it and be like, he deserves a second chance. I mean, you you can't really put any of that on the table. But at the same time, I mean, this whole story is just, it's very hard to wrap your head around. And it's not something, you know, that you hear about with athletes frequently where a guy had the world, you know, by the balls, excuse the saying, and he couldn't give up his street life. And he lost everything because he murdered a guy over, you know, spilling a drink or something along those lines. And I felt weird to see people saying, no, don't feel bad for Aaron Hernandez. Did you see any of that? You know, over yeah, the I saw, I saw, I saw both sides of the spectrum. It was, uh, listen, like, when it first happened, I felt indifferent, is, I guess, indifferent and confused about how I think I thought my bot, like, how I thought, I guess, I was going to feel about it. I didn't feel empathy, nor was I celebrating, though. I just kind of felt indifferent. Um, because there was, there's never been any rationality to what Hernandez did. There's never been, like, people try to use his, his childhood and his upbringing as the reason, but, like, you know, he has a brother who grew up in the same childhood, never did anything. Um, a lot of people lost their father. They never did anything. Um, I'm not saying those things couldn't have played a part, but they can't be, like, the primary reason why all of a sudden he decided to be a murderer. Um, it's weird. I was watching a documentary yesterday about Timothy McVeigh on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it, but it's really good. But what they did is they painted the picture of how McVeigh got to that place where he bombed the Oklahoma City building, you know? And why it didn't make me empathize or sympathize for him, at least I had an understanding of why he was motivated to do what he did. Right? We don't have that with Hernandez. All we have is he decided murdering was just, he was very flippant with life, very casual with it. Um, obviously, like if he, could, if he could take somebody else's life, then so casually take his own, he didn't value it at all. But I have no idea other than that why he did what he did, so it makes it really difficult to feel one way or about one way or another about it and that's kind of where i've been at with this whole situation is i'm i don't really empathize for him i do for his daughter i know that's not super popular to say because whatever but she didn't get to pick who her dad was and now not only does she not live with get to live with her father she doesn't 
she's now just the daughter of a murderous former NFL player that ruined it all. And then obviously I empathize and sympathize with all the families uh, that were affected by Aaron Hernandez. But other than that, like I don't know what I'm supposed to feel for him or what I'm supposed to feel about him committing suicide. Um, my natural reaction is not to be like, yeah, he got what he deserved. Um, it's just not my natural reaction because I'm a belief that all life is precious, even people that are horrible. And um, yeah, so I just, I still, days later, I still have no idea how, how I'm supposed to feel and I don't really feel anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat in terms of my own feelings. Uh, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that about all lives being precious. And I think that people look at Aaron Hernandez's approach to that and not valuing his life or other people's lives and using that to say, you know, this isn't a tragedy that he's dead, which I mean, again, you know, somebody who has killed other people and has had a terrible impact on the world. I mean, the world's not necessarily worse off for not having them around. That doesn't mean it's not a tragedy to see, you know, I'm not going to call him a family man, but a man who had a family who also just had, you know, such amazing opportunities in front of him, but couldn't prioritize them over the other things in his life. And again, you know, like you said, we don't know what the other things in his life were that, you know, led him down this road or caused him to act like this. And I think it's kind of easy for us to look on the outside and be like, dude, you had a $40 million contract. Why would you still act like this? Why wouldn't you just stop? I mean, we don't know. And I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying empathize with gangsters. They do what they do for reasons. I mean, it's terrible. Anybody that resorts to violence and, and things of that nature it's just it feels weird to to have people celebrate his death and tell other people not to you know I don't think anybody's sitting there crying for Aaron Hernandez but it just feels weird for some people to tell other people this isn't a life that should be celebrated in any way or this isn't you know a death that should be acknowledged treat this guy like a cockroach that got stepped on we're better off without him and his story doesn't matter I mean I I think in the realm of sports and life, it's a very important story. And I mean, you can't sit there and say this is going to make a great 30 for 30 and then say this isn't a tragedy. I mean, part of why this is such a great story is because it is such a great tragedy and not to treat, you know, somebody's life like it's just a story that we consume and are entertained by. But I mean, that that's kind of the value that we place on on sports and the realm of sports. And this is one of those things that for us falls into that, even though, you know, there's so much more behind it. Yeah, I think what what ends up, I mean, for me, what came off as off-putting um, the morning of was the idea, like, I understand, like, I'm fine with the people, like, I don't care, like, feel how you want to feel about it, right? Like, I don't care how you feel about it. It's not my job to care how you feel. Um, and I'm not going to tell you how you feel, how, how you're supposed to feel. But it was off-putting when that morning, I was watching Center before they got Bob Lee on, sometime after they had Dan Levitard on, who Bob Lee and Dan Levitard were both tremendous on the issue uh, Lebertard kind of admitted he didn't know how he was supposed to feel either. Um, and then Bob Lee's just very professional and very good at his job. But um, they did, did this whole thing. They had Schefter on. And, like, it became a conversation more so about him squandering his career. And that's kind of off-putting to me because that's not the story here. The story, the biggest part of the story is not NFL player decides to become murder. It's just person decided to become murder and family's affected. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. And um, the sports part is important in the aspect of nobody would care if it wasn't an NFL player. Do you know what I mean? But outside of that, um, it's just this weird thing. Like, I don't care that he was a really good tight end. Do you know what I mean? Like, the story's in front of us because he was a good tight end. But if this was just a regular guy and somehow this made national headlines without it, I think I'd still be interested in trying to figure it out because there's no, as I said before, there's no way to rationalize what he did. You're trying to make the irrational rational, and that lack of information of somebody like me that I, I'm always curious to know more, um, not having that information makes it really, I mean, and this is kind of gloomy, it, morbid is intriguing, because I want to know well, what happened that this is the situation where he found himself. Was it a, a series of his life? Like, I don't want to theorize. Um, but I also felt like that happened a day of the, the day of he died, was everybody did a lot of theorizing. Oh, maybe he did this so his daughter could get money, or maybe this is what happened, or maybe this, or maybe he has uh, uh, post-traumatic, the brain syndrome, or whatever, with concussion. Right. They're uh, sending his brain in for a Yeah, so, like, we don't we don't know anything at all. Um, but, I mean, as far as people, like, if you... I think a lot of this boils down to belief system as well. Like, if you believe in good versus evil, and you believe he's fully evil, do I think that's oversimplifying it? I do, but if that's what you believe... 
and you just think he was pure, unadulterated evil. I get that, that you think he got what he deserves. And then if you're somebody like me who's more of a all lives are precious type of deal, and I understand that he was flippant with life. I understand that. But still, like, it doesn't change that all, life's, all life is precious. So, like, yeah, I'm not going to celebrate the dude dying. But at the same time, I'm not going to feel empathy for him. I'm just kind of like, bleh. I'm glad that you didn't say all lives matter just now. I felt like you were going that way. Um, no. But I, I feel you, though. And I, I think, you know, what you said before that kind of stood out for me and is kind of the crux of this conversation is if this was just a regular dude, not a, not an NFL player, that did this, you know, would it be a story? Would it be something that anybody cares about? And I think that that's why you get people who say this isn't a tragedy. And I understand where they're coming from in saying that, because <coughs> if this is Joe Schmo on the street who killed somebody, you know, and is going through the, this murder case, is doing a, a life sentence for the murder of uh, Odin Lloyd and gets acquitted of a double murder and just has this, this checkered gangster past or whatever, I don't think anybody sheds a tear when he dies. And it's probably not even news, but... The fact that it is an NFL player who had the opportunities that he had, that's what makes it newsworthy. So, I mean, it's just, I, I, we have more context for this than we do for a different, you know, murder situation or something along those lines. And it, it's, it's somebody who's been on our television. It's somebody who we watched in college, so we feel like we knew them when they were a kid. But we, didn't know, we don't know anything about him at all. Personally, no, we don't. We don't, but that's, that's the thing, and that, that's... That's sports, and that's what sports does to people is it makes you feel like you're growing with this person and that you know them. I mean, it's you know similar to extents to, to Stuart Scott, who I don't know Stuart Scott off of the television, but I've been watching him for X amount of years. Yeah, so. but that's a little different because he tried it, to purposely it, connect to you via his words. Aaron Hernandez is connecting through you through touchdown catches. It's just the facade of I get to watch this person, and I have an interest in what they do, so there's more attachment to their life. And I, it doesn't... It doesn't make it more valuable than anybody else's life, but it just adds to the story and maybe why some would feel it is tragic and some would, you know, not give a crap that he is gone. But e- either way, I do think it's it's a complicated situation, and I understand people who feel it's tragic, and I guess I kind of understand people who say, you know, let's move on. Good, it's good. This guy's gone. But at the end of the day, one of the wilder stories that have been attached to sports in my lifetime. Yeah, I don't think there's a precedence for this. Ever like this isn't similar to OJ or Ray Carruth because this dude this wasn't a thing of passion we don't think it was just a dude decided to be a murderer. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm I'm still you know shocked that you know what happened this week happened this week. I didn't know how to digest it and I still haven't been able to. It's just it's crazy. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever unless more details come out ever know how I'm supposed to feel about this or ever feel about this a certain way as strongly as the two camps are. I just feel like I'm in the middle, and I'm just really mostly indifferent and confused. For sure, for sure. All right, Joe, let's let's spike the show back up, and let's finish with some AMAs. Seal, hit the music and make us happy. I'm going to read our first question, which comes from friend of the show, Dave, who is at True New Yorker. Dave has an NBA question for us. He asks, which type of players would fit around Russell Westbrook the best? So obviously this is coming on the heels of Oklahoma City blowing a big lead in Game 3 to the Rockets. Uh, Russell Westbrook ended up having a 50-point triple-double, but it wasn't enough for his team to, to hold on and, and win that game. Unfortunately, they kind of let let the reins go when he sat towards the end of the third quarter and the Rockets just made this huge run and they didn't let up. They were one game away from being swept. Joe, what what could what could the Thunder do to give Russell Westbrook a better shot at winning? What kind of players would fit the best around him? As it is with most ball-in-hand heavy guards, it's the best idea to put shooters around him, kind of like what happened with Houston and James Harden. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think it's that complicated. I, I, I know it's complicated to put together. It's not like... Uh, Sam Presti all of a sudden could be like, all right, get me four shooters, and then done. It's hard to get those guys, but I think that's what they need to do is they need to get shooters around. Like, they can't have Victor Oladipo being out there missing every shot he takes or Roberson, who nobody trusts, or whoever else. Do you know what I mean? You need shooters around him, and then obviously you're probably likely sacrificing defense, but if 
the issue here is nobody else can help him on the offensive end of the floor, and Russell doesn't trust anybody on the offensive floor. That's why he took 14 shots in the fourth quarter the other night. So, yeah, I would put shooters around him. I think that that probably makes the most sense. I feel like we've had this conversation a couple times on the show, and I don't, I don't know that what you could do. I mean, yeah, shooters make sense. Russell Westbrook also just isn't James Harden. You know, he's well. James Harden wasn't James Harden either until this season. Yeah, of course, of course. And I think people thought he was a bit more ball dominant than he was this year. Even though he's still ball dominant, he just you know is making making better decisions, and he has shooters around him that he maybe didn't have. I mean, this this. James Harden played in the Western Conference Finals two years ago, leading an offense not similar to this offense, but playing a similar similar role where he's the main facilitator. I mean, that's what both of these guys do. Just, I saw an interesting tweet the other day about how Russell Westbrook's offenses have always been the same. It doesn't matter who the coach is, and whether Kevin Durant was there or not, you know, there's there's this penchant for them to to slow down and for Russ to kind of hog the ball and not look for guys and and take bad shots, you know, ill-advised shots late in the game, and it doesn't matter who he has around him, and I don't know that that's going to change. Kelly Scaletta yesterday was kind of talking about how Russ just doesn't trust his teammates, isn't getting guys involved. I mean, you look at that roster, and Doug McDermott's really the only shooter. I I think uh, there was another guy on the team that shot decent from three this year. I can't think of who it is off the top of my head, but I, I don't disagree with the notion that he needs shooters. I just think part of the reason this team was as good as they were this year is because they were better defensively, and I do feel like that's the type of thing you need to put around him, too, you know, because he's, he's really not a good defender at all. He doesn't stay in front of no, his No, he's guy. overrated. People he confuse gets, his athleticism for good defense. Right, he gambles a lot. He doesn't read passing lanes well, but, you know, when he gets a steal and a fast-break dunk, it's, oh, my God, Westbrook is a, a one-man fast-break the way he does things on both sides of the court. I don't know who the ideal guys to put around him are. You know, it's it's very clear, though, that, He's his most effective when he is dominating the ball, though, like we saw this year and like we saw in stretches when Kevin Durant was hurt over the last few years. I, I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, like, I look at that question, I want to say maybe a guy like Kevin Durant would fit really nice, nice <laughs> next to Russell Westbrook because he could, you know, help space the floor and he takes some of the burden off of him and he's a great shooter. I, I just, I, I don't know what you're looking for. Well, the thing I, is, you made the point on offense, not offensively, even when Durant was there, it didn't matter if Scott Brooks was the coach or Billy Donovan is, and somebody else made this, I think I want to say it was Dan Lebertard, like, he's been this player his whole career, it's just now they need him to do more, like, his usage rate is so high because they need him to be the guy. He's always been this guy, this ball, a ball-in-hand-heavy guy who is inefficient but will still put up guiding numbers and help carry a team to being victorious most of the time, I guess. But, uh, I mean... I don't because I don't want to kill a dude that averaged a triple double or put up a fifty point triple double in the playoffs. It's just he was a plus eleven in that game too. Yes, and I know he played horrible in the fourth quarter, but like he's probably gassed by then. And it is up to him to realize, hey, dude, I just don't have it in the fourth quarter. I got to start sharing the ball more. Like that, that is on him. But they're not in that game without him. They're not in the playoffs without him. All that other stuff. Um, but I do think it's fair. Like that style of player, you know. I think he could be the best player in the team that wins a title, and his his talent around him clearly isn't like he doesn't have a number two. There's no like a true number two. There's no Kylie Kyrie, Kyle Love or Irving on Kyrie on his team, or there's no Durant, Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. There's no uh, whatever you know what I mean. Like all the teams, there's no Kawhi and Marcus Aldridge combo there. It's him, and the second best player on the team was probably Enos Cantor, who can't stay on the floor because he can't play defense. And yeah. uh, I mean, Oladipo's a decent player. And Steven oh, he's Adams. not. He's horrible. This whole, the Oladipo's not good. I'm sick of people talking about him like he's something good. He's over. He's not that good defensively. Like, he's fine. He's competent. But he's not. he's never been this defensive stopper people think he is. And he's horrible on offense. So what does he do? I don't think he's that good. I do think he will get a contract that... You know that thinks he's good. I People value him around the league. Well, sure, I if, he's, if, he's, if he's your second best player, your team's not very good. I don't disagree with that at all. He's not a guy that I want as my second best player. At the same time, I mean, I think he had a pretty decent year for them. He shot 44%, giving them decent defense. I don't think he's bad, Joe. I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's that good, though. He's, I don't think he's the ideal guy to put next to Russell Westbrook. Well, it's not even close. Like, he does. he's not a shooter, and this guy's ball in hand heavy. And, I mean, he 42% isn't necessarily great from the floor. 
44. 44 from the floor on 16 points a game. Not great, but he can create offense for himself. Listen, well, he's we also shooting him- 19% from the floor in the, in the postseason. Right. We haven't seen him do it in the playoffs. He's looked terrible when they've been like, here's the ball. Go create some offense outside of Westbrook. I just think that the offense gets stagnant a lot of the times because he is so ball heavy. I mean, ball dominant. I I don't know who's ideal to put around him. It's weird that it's weird that we have to have this conversation after Kevin Durant left. And I mean, I don't want to blame Russell Westbrook for Kevin Durant leaving. It shouldn't go down like that. They're just they're going to have a really hard time kind of finding the right guys to put around him after losing a Harden and then a Durant. I mean, it's not it's not a quick, easy recovery, especially not when you're Oklahoma City. I don't know who the perfect guy is. I mean, maybe a Gordon Hayward who can handle the ball a little bit and could shoot and is skilled doing everything. Maybe he's the guy that they should be targeting. I don't I don't think Blake Griffin is necessarily the target for them. He's he's a guy who can create offense. I just think spacing would be really terrible with the two of those guys on the court. I don't think that's the guy they want. I don't, I don't know who it is. Maybe, you know, maybe it's a center who who's really efficient on offense who is a rim protector. Yeah, I mean that that would be ideal for them. I don't know that they can get somebody who can kind of do both. I mean Taco Fall yeah, the first guy I think about is DeAndre Jordan, but he's obviously not leaving the Clippers anytime soon. He's just a perfect, you know, pick and roll center for any point guard who's ball dominant. I mean, him and Chris Paul together are very, very good. I, there's no reason to even talk about it. It's not a possibility. He needs, he needs, you know, like a, a Tyson Chandler from five years ago or somebody like that and shooters around him. No, he, I needs, think that he, needs, he needs his best player is two and through best players not being all a deep on Cantor. Agreed. Definitely I mean, and I like actually that. like Cantor a lot offensively. And, like, I know I went on the uh, Oladipo rant. He's fine being your fifth or sixth guy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say he's horrible at basketball. but He's, he's not good as your second best player. He, or, or your, your third, third or your fourth. Player. Yeah, I mean, that's not a good team. It's yeah. just not a good team. But the roster's I, I not great. I agree with you. Just to wrap up this, this Westbrook Thunder, I mean, yeah, Westbrook Thunder and the Rockets thing, do you think them losing the other night was his fault, or do you kind of put that on, on him not having any help? Uh, I put it on him. Like, it, it's partly his fault just because he never adjusted his style of play in the fourth quarter. But, like, they're not in that game without him. Um, I put some of it on Billy Donovan for not calling a timeout at some point and be like, hey, let's let's change course. And um, I blame it on the system, which uh, it, it's Westbrook's system. And it's kind of weird to blame it on because they're not there. Like, I feel conflicted about saying that because they're not in any of these positions, positions without the system. But what you're doing is when you're Roberson or you're Oladipo or you're whoever playing a wing and you get the ball, you're terrified of shooting it because it might be the last time you shoot all game because the way the system is. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Well said. All right, Joe, let's read the second AMA. This is from Simon from Yonkers at Smarks. Uh, what are some Twitter phrases, memes that need to die? Simon always bringing the heat, always has very good AMA questions. He I does. Thought this was, I thought this was a really good one. Um, you know, I think it's a good one, but I can't totally think of anything off the top of my head in terms of memes and sayings. I don't really love the face when. I think that that's kind of a bad one because a lot of the times people don't post pictures of faces. So I think that that's not a great meme. Um, do you have any off the top of your head? Well, like, I go back and forth with the, the crying MJ one all the time. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I hate it. Craig uh, MJ's been reduced big time. I haven't seen him at all during the playoffs. Like, well, at all. because nobody's been eliminated yet. Um, and people mostly give Russell Westbrook the benefit of the doubt. Like, normally he would have got that after the last game, a crying MJ over his face. Um, for, I go with cycles with that. So, like, I don't want to go too hard saying it needs to die because I thought it needs to die in the past. And then, like, somebody comes out like and does a creative crying MJ one, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why I love it still. Um, but outside of that, like, I don't know, like, I'm not a huge meme guy. Phrases that could die, boom, like, as a quote tweet could die, um, easily. Like, when somebody commits to a, like, I, obviously I follow college basketball well. A lot of college basketball bloggers will just quote tweet somebody's report and just write boom over it. Right. <laughs> Thanks for the information, that could die. Um. Is that like the this? Like when people oh, yeah, yeah. Like, this? listen, if you're quote tweeting... I, I don't have an issue with quote tweets, but if you're, I have an issue with like your thoughts above the quote tweet is this, boom, you know what I mean? Like there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Definitely. if you're quote tweeting, you better have some kind of information above it. Otherwise, you're just trying to steal the tweet. Uh, what a, a lot of stupid sayings are probably what bothers me more. Um, I'm trying to think of sayings though. I'm in a blank because I know there's some things on Twitter I see like that. They're very like. People jump on a saying and they all use it, and I'm just like, oh, this is stupid. 
Yeah, I think that this is fine meme is really good. Uh, I think it's good that the Mr. Krabs meme has kind of turned into just making a picture blurry of somebody. I think that that's good memery. I, I kind of think memes are good. Maybe that's a bad take. I don't, I can't think of too many like really bad memes. No, me bad neither. I don't, I don't get a ton of memes in my time. I mean, when I do, it's generally just crying MJ. And then like I get the uh, Mr. SpongeBob, Mr. Krabs, whatever that one is. I get that rear, you know, but it's not, like it's never so much that I get sick of it. On a month to month basis, though, there's all these new memes. I mean, like, and like lately, it's out. the it's the oh no, baby, what is you doing? You know, the the dude who's making the funny face that that's a pretty good meme. Uh, the the dude that was pointing to his head that was a good meme. I mean, there's, there's just there's quality memes. I don't I don't think that they're bad. We should have had Simon come on for this segment to give us his answers because I feel like he probably has some really good ones in mind. Yeah, that's. I wish you gave an example because I feel like we're blanking on these, and I bet you there's a ton that we're not thinking of that are pretty horrible. Send us, send us your least favorite memes. Tell us which ones you hate. In terms of like sayings and stuff, uh, I don't know. Maybe life comes at you fast. Got played out, but still like grinding. These, yeah, I mean these things are good when they're applicable. You know what I mean? Like if they're used right, I think that they're always pretty good. Uh, I don't know. What's the one not that goes with grinding? Wake up less. What is that one? Stay woke. No, well, no, that I well, I don't got a lot of stay woke people. But there's like people will wake up and they'll say grinding hashtag grinding. Then it's always like hashtag oh just hashtag blessed hashtag blessed hashtag hashtag blessed is no good. No, grinding's stupid too. Like listen, like anybody that posts stuff about their food or their workouts or their work ethic, I have nothing for you. Yeah, I mean that's always really annoying. That's like always the worst. The people remember, who, when we first, when me and you first met, and we, I, won't, I won't mention the network, but when we started writing, and I got to know you, and like I remember, like the people I followed at the time, a lot of people were hashtag grinding guys, hashtag blessed guys. I used to find it like I hated those people. I still hate. Yeah. It. It's annoying. I mean, we're all grinding. It's not like anybody wakes up hashtag easy life. You know what I mean? Hashtag working seventy percent. Hashtag working seventy percent and getting great benefits from it. Like that's not usually you know a take. Um, I I don't know people who like obviously post like you know this is it new me I'm gonna change today first day of the rest of my life and like have posts like that once every other month or something along those lines. That tends to piss me off, but that's not like memory. You know what I mean? Like we're looking for people who who are who are playing things out. Well, he's saying saying those are pretty popular sayings. He also said phrases or sayings or whatever. Right, right, for sure. Right, boom we'll might to... be the one that annoys me the most. Though. One boom guy in any form of life is stupid. Yeah, is this like deep-rooted hate for John Madden? Is that what's going on right no, now? No, no. This is deep-rooted hate for like four or five people. I see do it all the time. And uh, I just hate the like the quote tweets of like just stealing other people's information and then just disguising it. And I don't think a lot of time it's purposed. You know what I mean? to, like, steal that other person's tweet for glory. But, like, if you're literally just saying boom or this over it, I mean, why? Just retweet. Right, yeah. In the same token, how about Jason Whitlock and Clay Travis? Just just them in general. Maybe we can pretend that they're memes and bad sayings. Well, isn't it, I, think they're kind of, I think they're kind of sticks and characters. So, yeah, they're kind of like memes. Yeah, they're both played out. I just was scrolling through Twitter and saw a tweet. Uh, quote, a quote from Jason Whitlock. I don't see Magic Johnson as some business whiz. Magic Johnson's net worth is an estimated five hundred million. That guy's takes are the worst. Well, Clay Travis is is, is, is up he, there with he, him. He had himself a day yesterday as well. I mean, I don't follow either of those guys, obviously. And yeah, I but they like make it, they make their way right. They make the rounds for being awful, consistently awful. I mean, I guess there's something to be said for consistency. Well, Clay Travis is the dude that tells you how great he is all the time. Yeah. And so does Whitlock, but not like Clay Travis is next level. Like he'll go out of his way. Like, he'll be talking about Tennessee football, then halfway through, he'll be like, yeah, I was a lawyer. Makes me smarter than everybody. I just roasted you so bad. He's that guy. He's the guy who says, I just won this. And he's not the guy who does it ironically. He's the guy who does it, like, seriously. Yeah. Well, he he takes him so... Well, he knows what he's doing. He is a smart dude. So he he knows fully well he's trying to play a shtick in the character and to a certain fan base. Like, he knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. It's um, all calculated. Yeah, and so does Whitlock. Whitlock, like, I think if you gave both truth serums, like, injected it to them and asked them what they're doing, they'd be like, hey, yeah, we're just, it's the way we're marketing ourselves. Indeed. 
Indeed. Right. If you go back, this is if you go back like early Whitlock, early National Whitlock, he was not bad at all. Really? Like, yeah, like early National. Like, listen, he was always kind of controversial. I remember like when the internet first came out, and I think he was writing for like a Kansas City paper at the time. And he wasn't like he was a heavy handed writer, but still a good one. Like he wasn't like a, some kind of like glorious wordsmith, but he was he was good. And his takes were always a little stronger than most, but he wasn't like this dude that he is now, where it's like he's going out of his way to bash Colin Kaepernick for reasons. Do you know what I mean? So like he wasn't that always. And that, it could be him trying to evolve at times, or maybe as he got older, he turned into that guy. But he wasn't like, like, I, I know I've told the story before, but when Stephen A. Smith was doing Comcast Philly before he was a national basketball guy, he wasn't this hot take dude. He was super, just super well-informed, analytical college or NBA reporter in Philly. Right. And he was really, really good. Like, really good on Comcast. Like, I can't, right. I can't say how great, like, I, I don't dislike Stephen A. Smith now either. He's just hot taking, but uh, he wasn't like this over the top character he is now. I think this is just kind of what happens when guys reach a certain level. Imagine ten, fifteen years, you and I, or one of us, is on like first takes screaming, and it's like, yeah, Jared and Joe never used to be like. Yes, yeah, like were- the equivalent of us is having a podcast saying, "Yeah, they used to be really balanced, and they said they were indifferent and confused. They didn't have a take on a tragedy ten <laughs> seconds later, and now they're screaming about." Blah, 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 whatever the heck happened in 10 or 15 years. The modern-day Harambe. Now they're screaming about a gorilla. Yeah. All right, man. Freaking screaming. Screaming. Got, got anything else you want to add before we Beaming. wrap this bad boy up? Do you think they should remake Any Given Sunday? No. Me I mean, I, I, it wouldn't bother me because I feel like it's the type of movie that could be remade and could be fine. It could be better. Think, it's not necessarily like a classic. It's not like... Any Given Sunday is untouchable. Don't remake that movie. I don't think it's that good of a movie, to be completely honest with you. No, it's not. It's an overrated movie. It's more about having, like, this crazy cast of guys together and, you know, the whole Willie Beeman song. Yeah, we I went wish- over this before. Like, Bill Bellamy was in that movie. I don't think he had any dialogue. No, I don't think so at all. I wish he was. I mean, I wish he did. Yeah, he was a receiver, number 88. I'm almost positive. He was, like, their, he was their go-to receiver with Terrell Owens on the roster. Was Terrell Owens on the roster? Yeah, he was on the. I think so. Actually, maybe he was on the other team. He was on the team they played against. I, I just know, know like that. There's like the supporting cast that like weren't really having dialogue. Like they were like not that they're named people at the time or even now, but like they were famous enough. You think they'd have a line? Yeah. Wasn't what's yeah. his name Vladimir from the program in it? He was. He yeah. was. He was all. He played the same character pretty much. Well, yeah, naturally, he played that character probably in every movie he's ever. I'm, I'm assuming he's dead. Uh, I believe he is probably actually, but I'm not. I'm not certain. R.I.P. Vladimir. Yeah. First team defense. Wow. Yeah, man. That's that's a good movie. You know what my favorite part of the program? The program is probably my favorite football movie ever. Is when um, what's his name? Shelvin Mack. Is that his name? The linebacker's name? It's definitely not Shelvin Mack. Shelvin Mack is a point guard in the NBA. Uh, Sheldon. Sheldon Mack. Oh, Sheldon Mack. Maybe I don't remember their name. Okay. Well, his last name's Mack. The program. Um, he gets a doorknob. Isn't it? His name is Shelvin Mack. I'm right. Sure. Really? Wow. I think. Anywho. Okay. So anywho, he gets his mom a, a doorknob, and he gives it to her, and he goes, "The rest of the house comes with that. Comes comes later, or something like that." Because <laughs> yeah. he's still in college, and I was like, "Yeah." And then he got hurt. He's number offensive guard did a pool and broke his leg. I haven't seen that movie in probably. I thought Joe Kane was based off Kerry Collins when I was a kid. Wow. Oh, because Gary Collins also had the drinking issue and all that stuff. He did. He sure did. I'm going to need to go back and watch it. I think I own it on DVD somewhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I do, too. I haven't seen it in a long time. I bet it hasn't aged as gracefully as my romanticized mind makes it believe, but I used to love that movie. Speaking of movies that have aged poorly, I I didn't see you on Twitter yesterday. Our boy Alex Cloje went on, like, a little Mighty Ducks rant. It was it was excellent. You should go. You should go look for it. Well, could you give the, the listeners some context? It, since it, you brought it, up? No, that's it. Everybody, go follow Alex. Read his tweets about the Mighty Ducks. It was, I mean, like the the premise was essentially: it's incredible that these kids that couldn't even compete in their district oh, played, the for the, played in the Olympics <laughs> five years later. Yeah, and then they that, go back home he, to play street hockey or something. Don't they after that? He was like, "How does that happen?" One one answer: Bombay, the developing master, something along those lines. Like, yeah, I mean, how else do you chalk that up? Bombay really. Developed this team of guys that were nobodies, and then they're playing in the Olympics. Bash Brothers. 
Yeah, I, I love the Mighty Ducks as a kid. Like, love that movie. The the first two movies. I don't remember the third at all. I don't either. I feel like they were in private school or something. I don't really remember yeah, it. But, like, that's the thing. They're in private school. So they're coming fresh off an Olympic gold medal run. And now they're struggling at a private school to be good at yeah, hockey. Yeah, the, the story arc doesn't make all that much sense. No, oh, like, it goes, like, in uh, the Major League movies, right? Like, outside the one when it's the guy from Quantum Leap in the minor leagues, which I, was, I actually like that one, by the way. The third one. Yeah. And that I one actually, doesn't make sense either. But I actually like that one. But, like, the first two Major Leagues, when you're kind of following the, the cast that you know of, the first one, they don't win the World Series. They, like, win a divisional title. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, like, they had room to grow in the sequel. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how you're think- supposed to do it. Like, with the Karate Kid movies... Okay, so in the first one, he won, like, the regional tournament, which is just the regional dudes. And in the third one, uh, Cobra Kai recruits a national karate expert to come over and right. fight him. So, like, there was room to grow. Like, if in the, if in the first one, uh, Johnny LaRusso, whatever his name is, I'm going to blink on everybody's name, the karate kid, had to fight the karate's bad boy Mike Barnes, in the first one, there would be no room to grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtag Definitely has to be, has to be room for story arc to make sense. Mm-hmm. Which Mighty Ducks didn't. No, they went from struggling in, like, local hockey to uh, winning Olympic gold to struggling in a private school. They definitely didn't need to make a third major league, but it's right of them that they had all these old washed-up dudes playing in the minors. That well, I actually right- like the third major league um, a lot, actually. <laughs> My favorite is when they, I can't believe I can't think of his name, uh, when they recruit the, the Japanese player to come play for them. That that's like the best part in major league three or two. Yeah, in major league three, isn't he running like a mini golf place or something like that? Oh, I can't remember. I haven't seen that movie. I just know Boyd from Justified is like the home run hitter. Yeah, on the team. he's such a jerk. Yeah, but he goes on to be Boyd in Justified, which is just a terrific TV show. Never seen it. You've told me too, so oh, I will at some point. It's not on Netflix, so I don't know where you can find it because the series is over. But it's really good, and he's really good in it. Sounds good. There's your TV recommendation of the week. Yeah, I don't have any shows right now. How about I upgrade it? I'm going to complain at the end of our podcast. I upgraded to Ultra 4K on Netflix. There's only like 12 shows that have it. What is What does that mean? I don't even know what that yeah, is. Like if you have like a TV that supports, it's supposed to be better than HD TV. Oh, and, that's what I thought. But Netflix only has like 12 shows. Or like 12 combined shows and movies that actually are capable of showing it. So I'm paying two extra dollars a month for movies and shows I'll never watch. Yeah, that feels like a ripoff, Joe. You should probably do something about that. Yeah, I might uh, go back and change my settings today. You hear that, Netflix? Get more shows on uh, Ultra 4K. Yeah, Ultra 4K, and I can't see the difference either. Better Call Saul's Ultra 4K on there. Yeah, true, true. I haven't seen this week's episode yet, so... Uh, oh, I won't say anything. Let's not get into it. Hashtag does, no spoiler. Does Gustavo come at least? I mean... Yes. No, really? The, well, that was the whole tease that he was showing up this week. I know, I know, but I feel like that was a tease for last week too, and he just no. Well, yeah, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it. Good stuff. I appreciate it. All right, Joe, let me get going. I have going. a question about Better Call Saul for you. Oh, here we go. What do you got? Okay, I do like the show. However, if this was a standalone show and we didn't have Breaking Bad to come off of it with and know like some of the context, would you like it as much? Because I don't think I would. Here's the thing. I might again. I'm just I'm a Bob Odenkirk stand, so I probably would. But I feel you. I think a lot of it is the Breaking Bad, you know, momentum, and that we're kind of everybody's sitting there watching it. And maybe it's not fair to say everybody because I'm sure there are some people that just enjoy it as a standalone show. But we're all watching it, waiting for like the universes to collide a little bit. And every glimpse we get of something Breaking Bad related, I feel like that's when people get the most excited. I mean, listen, like, if we don't know what Breaking Bad is, I don't think I'm getting excited about, like, a 75-year-old old guy who works in the yeah, exactly. lot. You know, like, Mike's Mike's story is progressing very slowly. We wouldn't know he's this badass if it wasn't for Breaking Bad, because, I mean, yeah, we've seen it displayed in a few scenes, but, like, it hasn't been to the levels that Mike was in Breaking Bad, so probably not. Yeah, I was, I mean, like... Obviously, part of it is that it is a spinoff, so like we're supposed to understand. But like, I think if I didn't watch Breaking Bad, I, I'm not saying I would have bailed on the show. I'm just saying I don't think it'd be like, because for me now it's like must see TV. I don't think it'd be like on that list. Like it'd be more in line with like other shows I watch regularly, but like I don't get super amped up for like maybe like, uh, Happen Leonard or The Expanse. I feel you, man. I heard Happen Leonard was really good. It is good. The first season is, is first season is dynamite. Second season just ended. Um, I like they, their seasons are short. They're like six or seven episodes. 
Second season wasn't as good. It picked up at the end. Brian Dennehy is in the second season. He's excellent in it. Um, I really like that show a lot. I think it has really good potential. I do think the first season was so good. Like, just so... Jimmy Simpson played the main evil guy in the first season. I don't know if you know who Jimmy Simpson is. Uh, he was tremendous. Like, just unreal in it. Um, so I think they have, they're have they going to have a really hard time like ever topping that first season. But I'm really invested oh, in that show. Jimmy Simpson's one of the McPoyles from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Is he? Yes. Let me make sure we're talking about the same Jimmy Simpson. Like, with an I at the end of Jimmy? I mean, I Google Jimmy Simpson, yes. I'll tell you in one second. He's in, like, a lot of bad... He's done a lot... Uh, all of a sudden, let's see if he's all of a sudden. Yeah, he's a McPoyle. Come on. I wouldn't make that up. Well, yeah, but he, there could be more than one Jimmy Simpson. No, there's not more than one guy that looked like that guy. He's yeah, he had two that, yeah, you're right. He's Liam McPoyle. Yep. I want to say he was in Never Been Kissed as well. I'm going to confirm that. No, he wasn't. I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Well, anyway. he, I'm just telling you right now, it's on Netflix, Jared or anybody else. First season is like six episodes long. The first season is just fire. Fire. Duly noted. Like, All I'll right. tell you, like, the first season, like, I watched that in a sitting, and it was one of those, like, things, because it's not, nothing's, um, there's no tropes, there's no, um, stereotypical characters. Um, Omar all, from The Wire's in it. I mean, that's reason enough to watch it. He's tremendous in this show. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Um, he's even the, character. like, I'm not a huge fan of the main, well, he's, he's, there's two main characters. The other one's the, uh, the white guy from the the following, who I don't necessarily love in most of everything else he's ever done, but he's really good in this show. Duly noted, James Purefoy. Yeah, Jim James Purefoy, who in the following wasn't necessarily good, and I've seen him in other things I can't remember if they are not necessarily good. He is really good in this. Um, the issue I oh man, I wish you watched because the issue I have is they kind of like when the first season ends, they leave the cliffhanger and they get into it in the second season. But all the things that happened to him in the first season, it's as if they had no emotional effect on them. All right. And Nobody. a lot of things happened to them in the first season. Like, a lot. Maybe one day I will get around to watching it. You should quit work today and watch it today so I can talk to you about it later. Like, quit my job or take a day off from work? Uh, just take the day off. All right. You noted. don't have to quit. But remember the okay. time you made me watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, and it was worth it. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, the six episodes of the first season is well worth it of Happen Leonard. All right. Noted. Noted, noted, noted. All right, Joe, speaking of quitting my job, I have to go to work. So Boo! I'm sorry, to, sorry to end the podcast during our As TV I'm ranting about you, Purefoy and Omar from The Wire. I dig it, man. I love Omar. Oh, my God. Last thing, last thing. So HBO made new trailers for The Wire and another older show that they had. Uh, and it Oz? just made me go watch The Wire again. No, it wasn't Oz. Uh, I, I'm not going to remember what it was. I don't think it was Emmanuel in Space. Definitely not. Uh, it might have actually been Deadwood, but I'm not certain. I'm not certain. Anyway, it doesn't make a difference. They made a new trailer for The Wire. and oh Direct, my God, TV, Direct TV owners, free HBO and Cinemax this weekend. Oh, wow. Enjoy that. Stay up late. Enjoy Cinemax. I got to go, Joe. Thank you guys so much for listening. We always appreciate your, your ears and your attention. And uh, today we had some rough topics. <laughs> appreciate your ears. So th- thanks for sticking with us through it. We will see you guys on Monday. We hope you have a great weekend. You can follow me on Twitter at jmintoops. Catch my basketball writing at fanregsports.com. Been writing some fun stuff about the not fun Knicks. Joe, tell the good people where they could find you. On Twitter at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. Um, I don't know what I'll be writing about today. The latest thing I wrote about was Grace Allen returning to school. Um, woo Yeah, Gray. Yeah, I also have new fiction out. Go Ooh. to smashwords.com. Go there. Read my fiction. Um, other than that, I got nothing else. Look at that, a fiction plug. I dig it. We're going to have to tell a story one day about you being one of the characters in one of my stories. One day. Today is not that no. day. Have, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening. All around me are familiar websites. Worn out clickbait. Worn out hot takes. Bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clickbait. No one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad The internet in which I'm worthless 
is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world.